Hello, my name is Samuel George London and welcome to Comics for the Apocalypse. On today's episode, I speak to comic book reviewer and very nice chap, James Blundell, about what comics he would take into a zombie outbreak apocalypse. But before we get into it, I'd like to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, the Comic Scene Comic Club. Available from just £5 a month, you can get monthly issues of The History of Comics 1930-2030, to monthly issues of the brand new Shift Comic Anthology, and two Comic Scene specials per year. To find out more and subscribe to the Comic Club, visit comicscene.org. Now, without further ado, on with the show. Hello, James Blundell. How's it going? Sam, how are you? <laughs> I haven't spoken to you in ages, apart from the last I 10 know. minutes. <laughs> but yeah, I, how you doing, mate? True believers. It was the last con anyone ever went to. Feels like it, anyway. True believers. Yeah, it was, man. Um, gosh, it feels like a million million years ago, doesn't it? Um, um, yeah, gosh. Um, I wish that was. Uh, we were. We were. I was in hope of going to Comic Con next year, but I don't even think it's going to happen then. No, no. But we can always hold out hope. You never know. I mean, you know, potentially Thought Bubble twenty twenty one in person could potentially happen i guess um but uh, it, it also depends on organizers as well because in my day job i have to organize a couple of events and i'm kind of on edge about confirming events or not um yeah it's it's very up in the air um but uh, uh all, all of that aside um for, for anybody that hasn't come across you uh, just yet, James. Uh, what do you do in the world of comics? Do you know what? I've been do- I've been around for years and years, and I still have no idea. No one ever tells me that, Sam. I can't <laughs> say that. You haven't been directed talking- just yet. Nah, that's it. When I'm when I'm not talking gibberish, though, you'll find me reviewing comics for Pipe Dream Comics, won't you? Absolutely. Well, that's what they tell. Me. <laughs> Indeed, um, and a sterling job you do. Um, so, uh, where, where where can people find you online? Where can they find me online? They can find me at www.pipedreamcomics.co.uk, or if they want, they can look at, they can look me up at my blog. Which you know, what? I don't remember what the co- what the, the uh, address is for that. <laughs> Hang on a minute. Oh, that's terrible. That's that's the kind. That's the kind of preparation you have in the review in the comics reviewing world. <laughs> so a comic book addict.blogspot.co.uk is your uh, is your blog. Terrible. I should know this stuff off the top of my head. I should, I should have been prepared. <laughs> Technically you should. Um, and then of course you're on Twitter as well, aren't you, James? This is true. I'm at, at James underscore Blundell. Which is B L U N D E L L, like the racing driver, only a lot less famous. <laughs> how how are your uh, car car racing skills? Uh, pretty poor, to be honest. I can't go above. I can't go above twenty miles an hour, according to my brother, sister, wife, father, mother, and every <laughs> other member. Of the so there does there does seem to be consensus. 
Yeah, a little bit. But I suppose at least I'm a bit consistent holding up the rest of the track. Because that's exactly. just what happens when you. <laughs> Oh man. Um well, um it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show, James. Um and um uh, yeah, finally. Hey, yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um I, I, I did I did mention it, but you must have missed it. Um but uh lost me again. what do you call it? All of all of those uh links are in the show notes, folks, so you can go follow James right there. Now, um, all of all of that aside, unfortunately, James, I, I do have some bad news. Um, upon the bad oh, yeah. news already that you know we we are actually currently in a pandemic, and the U.S. elections are happening today as we're speaking. So we don't know if we've actually fallen into uh, an actual apocalypse, um, depending on the results. And uh yeah who knows we'll find out um it could it it, it could end up bad either way (laughs) as well so who knows um sorry james i said be positive i'll try yeah i mean i i tell you what (laughs) i've i've i'm generally an optimistic person but this year has really demoralized me um, I, f- I feel like I've, I've grown into a full-blown pessimist this year. Don't feel bad. I, I, I was a full-blown pessimist at the beginning of the year. I've just descended into madness. <laughs> That's what happens when you... That's probably the best way to go, isn't it? This is true. <laughs> uh, now, um, on top of all of that jazz going on, unfortunately, there's yeah. been a zombie outbreak. Um, oh, in, so the <laughs> As well, I know. Um, triple trouble. Um, so uh, my question for you, James. Okay, be really bad taste. Sorry, oh, zombie yeah, apocalypse. Very much so. Yes, and so my my first question for you is: What is your action plan for survival? Um, I got two. I got two action plans. The realistic one, which is probably that I'll hide under the table, cry until the zombies get me. But. Yeah, we're being optimistic today. So the optimistic one would probably be that I will board up the windows and doors because I live in a terrace house with like 12 other terrace houses and my back gar- all our back gardens are brick walls. So probably mm. what I'd do is board up all the doors. Hopefully all my neighbours would run off to other parts where zombies don't exist until later. And I'd knock down all their fences and take over their houses or take over their back gardens rather. Mm. You know, buy my own veg and try and live... Independently, silently, in the, in your neighbour's back gardens, awesome. I suppose. Well, I suppose I could just go to the pub, I guess. <laughs> that too, that too. Um, but but that, you, you can just sneak out at night, maybe. That's right. You know, I live in I live in a pretty crowded cul-de-sac, so it's kind of, well, or you know housing estate area so it's like you know hopefully if they all run away or if all the all the people who live in these houses run away they'll leave all their food and i can just sneak in and you know take the tins you know from each house one at a time like uh will smith and i am legend something like that you know you just stop while from there that's it and hopefully keep me going oh yeah um, i'm sure i'm sure there'll be copious amounts of uh baked beans and whatnot um <laughs> and cat cans of uh tuna that you can uh, survive on. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, 
<laughs> Fantastic. Um, and of course, uh, your family will be will be at home, will they? Oh, of course, of course. And anyone, who, yeah. And if all my neighbours are still in their homes doing the exact same thing, we work together. Hopefully, you know, because you know, it's a exactly. you know, like I said, brick all the way down. You know, so we'd all be able to, you know, converge as a, a little community. Awesome. Well, that'd be nice, a, wouldn't it? More, br- br- bringing in- people together. That's it. I have a more in-depth plan, but that then gets into the whole weird thing of, you know, getting fences and, you know, um, stealing solar panels from a nearby field and, you know, fitting them and <laughs> your you long-term know. plans. That's it. I played. I've played far too much State of Decay in my time. I've got to admit, I need to. <laughs> I need to get real quick. Well, there's no, there's no harm in being prepared. Um, and uh, during during this prepara- preparation, um, shame of course. Up. To, you know, all my social media and internet uh, places, is it? As well, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Say la v, my friend. Um, uh, yeah. d- d- during your preparation, um, uh, you, you one of your neighbours does remain uh, on on your housing block, and yeah. uh, you you get chatting with them um, about kind of you know, hobbies and stuff like that, what it was like in the before times and things. Um, and uh, comics come up, of course. And, you know, you express your your love of comics. Um, and uh, your neighbour seems interested because they're, they're not really into comics or anything. And and they wonder uh, what the first comic you remember enjoying was. Ah, well, I'd say to them, just after I'd heard my wife whisper, oh, poor soul. Oh no! <laughs> yeah. She knows. She knows how long I'll go on for comics for. Yeah. So yeah. She'll, she, the only thing she. The only other thing she says. Oh God, it's not me. But uh, <laughs> she's she's had enough of that also. <laughs> but um, I had to think about this actually because I had to think about what have I read? What did I first read? And yeah, I had to go back really far in it. But it was um, there were a few books to be honest. There was. Yeah, the old Panini books that they used to sell, like news agents mm. and stuff. I couldn't remember what ones I got, and I had to think about it. But the ones I remember getting, because it was a great series, was Daredevil, volume four, four to seven of the Bendis and Alex Maleev run. You know, so that's like 25 issues, issues 26 to 50. Nice. Because the story about that was is that I, I went to Portsmouth to see a friend of mine. And they took me to a local comic book shop there. And I honestly can't remember the name of it. I think it's either based on my research, because I have <laughs> I did some preparation at least. Brilliant. It, it's either Room 237 or Ian's Books and Comics. I can't <laughs> tell because I can't remember. The, I can only vaguely remember the layout. But it's one of the <laughs> two. And... Yeah, I was saying, oh, you know, what comics could I buy? You know, I, I, you know, I'm trying to get into comics and stuff like that. And he turns to me, and the chap who's working, he turns to me and says, "You'll love this. You'll love this. This is a great book." And he hands me Underboss, which is Volume Four, and it's like, okay, right. But you know, if you want the full story, this guy was a great seller. He was a great seller because he says, you know, if you want the full story, you'll want all four of these. You know, and nice he goes, sell. that's it. And he's there's ten quid each. Okay, I'll be right back. Cash point was just down the road, fifty quid because I also bought Ultimate Fantastic Four, which wasn't as good. So we're not talking about that. But, <laughs> but I bought all four, and I dismantled at least the first volume on the way home, right? Because I don't know. I don't know if you've ever read it. Have you ever read? I haven't uh, the read ben- that run. No. 
Oh, it's a, it's a truly fantastic run. It really is. It's um, basically the kingpin gets taken out. He gets taken out Julius Caesar style by, a, right. by an upstart, Silk. Mm-hmm. And but he puts, you know, because basically he spent all these years not dealing with dead, uh, Daredevil as he should. And all of a sudden a contract gets put out on him. And it leads to one thing to another. And it leads to the revelation. And obviously, you know, that's like the worst best, the worst kept secret in comics. You know, Daredevil, everyone's known he's Daredevil for like. And he starts this whole thing where basically it goes, that's the start of the entire story of Daredevil's entire arc up until kind of the present day. Through the, through the Bendis run, through the Brubaker run, the Diggle run, the Wade run. And it's, it's a really gorgeous run. It really is. I mean, it's, you know, Alex Malieve's work, you know, it's just so gritty and it's just absolutely brilliant. Um, see, I'm waffling on. My wife told me not to do that. <laughs> That's quite all right, mate. Um, and uh, how old were you? Uh, I was, I was, oh, I was old. I was old. Um, I was 20. I right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I was 20. Because I started into comics really late. Because mm. I came into comics thanks to the greatness that was Sam Raimi's Spider-Man in 2002. Mm. I went and watched it and I thought, well, this is interesting. This, this comic stuff is interesting. So I went and I mm. bought X-Men on, on DVD and I watched that. And, you know, I got, scanned through Wikipedia and every other site I could find. And, you know, six months in, I knew everything. And then I started, you know, looking for comics. And there wasn't a comic shop in Swindon at the time. So, but, you know found one in Portsmouth apparently and so yeah yeah at 20 years old I found Daredevil and it was a yeah it was just such a gorgeously drawn series such a yeah Mm. I think it's Bendis's best I think it's Bendis I haven't read a lot of Bendis but I honestly believe it's his best it's his best the best stuff he's ever worked on anyone is welcome to to question me on that because they might have read more than (laughs) that but that's awesome that that was um to the world of comics and, and opened it opened it up for you from there um and uh yeah obviously uh, you mentioned before that you that you're a reviewer for pipe dream comics so how did all of that come about um to be honest it was, it was thanks to if if we're gonna we're, another very long story you'll find i'm very good at these sam it was all thanks <laughs> i like it it's all thanks to my wife to be honest uh when i met my wife uh, long ago, um, she you know, she said to me, "I should, you know, I should write about it. I should do, I should do a blog about, you know, about all my comic stuff." I think she, I think she was a bit, a bit bored of me just chewing her ear off about it, <laughs> and uh, you know, and it was a thing of, okay, yeah, I'll do that, and start, started writing. And about in Melksham, Melksham, twenty thirteen, I met um, Alex Thomas, the uh, the editor of Pipe Dream Comics. The yeah. boss man, yeah, and you know we were chatting about it and stuff like that. He gave me his card, and not long later, not long. After, I think it was actually about it was about six months after. I I met, I, te- I emailed him and I said, you know, would you know, would you mind if I gave it a crack? And the rest is history, so they say. Brilliant, and then it's it's just gone from there. And when did you set up your own blog? Uh, that would have been the end of two thousand and eleven. Well, the right. beginning of 2012 because mm. I, I i suspect i actually did i actually did the per- first post on the first of january 2012 bingo cool New year and sorry did that was the blog before you 
you started with Pipe Dream. Yeah, yeah, that's that was yeah. going. So that was going. So yeah, I started started the blog in 2011. I started reviewing early 2014. Brilliant. Yeah, and then um, you've been you've been doing that ever since. Um, of course, kind of mostly in your in your spare time, I suspect, <laughs> um, trying to juggle family life and professional life. Yeah, whatever lunch breaks and uh, yeah. you know midnight feeds can allow. Yeah, and then what, from what I gather, um, you you have you've been trying to dabble in writing your own stories. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. To be honest, I've been doing that somewhat a long time. Mm. I've done I've done done some prose and I've done some comic scripts and stuff like that, and they're, they're okay. You know, they're okay. You mm. know, they're not they're not to sort the of quality of of yourself or many many of our of our colleagues. <laughs> <laughs> behave yeah i'm not sure about that um but no yeah i'd i'd i'd, I'd love to see them at some point james <laughs> you're you'd be more than welcome i'll just have to uh you know scrub away any evidence that they're actually mine you know just in case you, sh- you share them out <laughs> oh never mate never but uh you know, yeah i'm all, 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 always happy to uh take take a look at or uh, look at um other people's work and um how it helps somebody else out and, no, thank um, you oh no worries you'll, man. you'll be seeing multiple emails with all my stuff in the coming days awesome i look forward to it james that's great man um now uh moving back to your back garden uh with your neighbor uh the next question that crops up from them is what's the funniest comic that the you've funniest read? yeah well, the funniest comic that was that was an easy answer for me I, I have to admit, yeah, because I'm not one for funny comics. Mm. Um, sounds rather rather terrible to me, really. Makes me sound boring. But <laughs> I like, yeah, I like you know, I like humor in comics. It's, you know, but you know, I like I like a good story. But there's there was one there was one easy answer really, and that had to be Chunks issue two by Matt Garvey and Chris Confaler. Have you have you read it, Sam? I'll tell you what, I have, but it's it's probably been probably a, maybe 18 months or two years since since i picked it up um and uh yeah i i haven't had time to uh to to reread it um but i do actually remember laughing out loud at some points for sure yeah i think i mean the, enti- the entire free issue run of, of chunks is, is hilarious i mean matt i mean have you met matt yes yeah absolutely yeah. He's, he's absolutely hilarious. He's he's just mm. the funniest guy I've, I think I've ever met. And uh, to be honest, I've met a few. <laughs> but um, I think chunks chunks two out of the three is his best. I think I don't know why. I just I just think it is. And the whole thing comes down to one scene. It comes down to this one scene where little girl goes to pulls up to Dawn, who is the drummer of uh, of the band. The yeah. um, they called? They're called the pineapple chunks. That's right. Because they were, they were, they were, yeah. they were play, they were play on the Smashing Pumpkins. Mm. <laughs> I I got to admit, I don't know much about the Smashing Pumpkins. Is Johnny Rotten their lead singer? No, that's that... um, Sex Pistols. Yeah, I always assumed that was why. Yeah, he was the main lead was called Johnny because he was based after Johnny Rotten. But anyway, sorry, I I digress. <laughs> the yeah, the funniest the funniest scene, the thing that made me laugh the most and made this just easily the funniest comic for me was this scene where this little girl goes to Dawn the drummer and goes, are you a vampire? No. Why not? Uh, but Stevie says you eat people. 
to which she replies, only chicks, honey. And for me, mm. that's without doubt the funny. I remember laughing out loud with that one. I remember, I, I remember that. Uh, to be honest, when I first read it just now, I laughed. It still, it still cracks me up. You know, <laughs> I read it's that. It's a heck of a punchline. It is. I read, I read the issue in 2015, I think it was. Because Matt, I remember when Matt originally did the Kickstarter format, which mm. sadly failed. And he sent it over, and he sent it over because he sent it over to everyone who, who pledged because it had already been done. And I read it, and it was just hilarious, and it was just absolutely brilliant. And to be honest, it's what really makes Matt what he is, really, because I think it's, I think it's, 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 it's Matt's personality right there on page for everyone to see. Yeah, it's not quite, you know, it's, it's, it's not, it's not quite extreme or it's not quite what's the term un PC, but it's right on that line, and mm-hmm. yeah, it's just cheeky enough for him to get away with. Totally, totally, that's wicked. I think, yeah, I think it worked. Yeah, to be honest, chunks. That's not the only thing that makes chunks brilliant. Chunks, you know, that's a load of funny, funny gags like that going through the three issues. I mean, Chris's artwork is absolutely gorgeous. The you know, this whole monochrome with this, you know, hints of colour here and there. It's just mm. a fantastic look to it. Oh, totally. I mean, the, and the art style obviously leans into comedy as well That's a little bit. Right. It, it matches up so well. Absolutely. I mean, all five, five is yes, yeah, five. All five of the main cast, you know, the bandmates and the and the manager. They all have this this very different look, mm. and they, you know that that really it's like I want to say it's like the young ones a little bit. You yeah, know, it's kind of like yeah, that. that's got to be an influence, surely. Yeah, there's dysfunctional foursome. I mean, yeah. I can't think of. A, I mean, it makes perfect sense given the punk rock esque nature, but it's like he thought to himself, it's like it's like he thought to himself, uh, Matt thought to himself, I want to I want to do. A, comic about a band but a band who think they're so big they can you know do the you know sex and drugs and rock and roll kind of thing but they're actually not that good they're just <laughs> just shy of being that clever <laughs> absolutely fantastic um now uh, moving back to uh, the garden um and uh, your neighbor asked what's the saddest comic that you've read See the saddest comic is a, is a lot easier. I had a lot of options for that. I could have mm-hmm. I could have gone on and on about the saddest comic. So the to, to the point I really I only got to like I got to two. I just couldn't choose between these two. Mm-hmm. And they are The Vision by Tom King and Gabriel Hernandez Walter and Porcelain, the Porcelain Trilogy by Benjamin Reed and Chris Wildgoose. And they are kind of the same, but they're kind of different. If, if you get me. I'll start with yeah, the vision. Sure. Cool. The vision uh, have you read the vision? Not that one, no. No? Yeah, it's, it truly is a fantastic series. Everyone says it's, ter- it's absolutely terrific, and I'm, I, I, I can't argue that. It's really something great. Mm. And basically, it's, and the premise is so simple. You know, the vision creates himself a family and moves to the suburbs. It's, it's that simple. And it's, I think it comes on the end of like, do you remember the Hawkeye series where they were kind of focused on Hawkeye's personal life by Fraction and Aja? Right. Yeah, it kind of it kind of veers off in that kind of same direction. You're focused on you're not. This isn't the vision saving the world. This is the vision having a wife, having a kid, sending them to school. Mm. You know, and it it, it seems innocuous enough. You know that something's gonna you know 
it's going to be an experiment that fails effectively because you know, the vision will go back to the Avengers and yeah, but it's it's just the saddest comic comes in the last few issues. You you have this entire series where the characters just grow on you and they're so well written and they you know they have such human interactions and emotions despite the fact they're four androids they just you know you know there are there are moments in it there's a great moment in the, like the second issue in fact where one of the one of the children is attacked and the vision the vision's gone to tony stark to to to, to try and fix them and as as Tony Stark says, look, this, is, this isn't working. It's gonna, I've got to shut it down. Vision shouts, you know, calls out, you're my friend, but if you stop this, I will kill you. And, you know, that's, that's the kind of thing a father would say, I think. I mean, you know, I've, I've got two yeah. children. And, you know, if, it was, if I was in that situation, that is what I would say. I don't care if you're my worst enemy or my best friend. You know, my kids come first. Mm-hmm. But the Vision is a, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a being of logic. And it's like, the thing he wants to be is more human and he's just found that because this thing he cares about more than anything else in the world that he will do anything for. And it's, and it's really nice what, just watching you know, that, those relationships form. But at the same time, it's like a poison chalice. It wasn't meant to be. And so many terrible things happen in the event of trying to keep what they have. And in the end, it all just falls apart. And it's just, the, you know the, la- the last three issues, you know, kind of, kind of just make you know exemplify what has happened from issue one to issue nine, and it's just it's just so heartbreaking, and it's just so heartbreaking to watch this whole world fall apart for the vision. It's terrible, that, man. <laughs> it is, and it's just it just it kills me. And I only read it the one time, and I really want to read it again, but you know, it is more comics to read. But it's just it just stuck with me, and it stuck with me all this time. And the same, it's a similar nature with Porcelain, to be honest. I mean, mm. again, Porcelain is a fantastic series. Um, if you haven't read it, you should. I mean, there's a reason Chris Wild Goose went off to work for DC because the, the art in the in the, the trilogy in Porcelain, Bone China, Ivory Tower, their three books is terrific, mm. and the, the story is fantastic as well. And it's basically the premise is that. Um, a peasant girl, an orphan girl, um, is taken in by a mysterious man. Um, he, he just, well, he wants companionship, he wants friendship, and he takes this girl in, she breaks into his home, and he takes her in and treats her like his daughter. But what we find is, is he's actually a, a, um, a wizard of sorts. He's, um, he creates these synthetic beings made out of porcelain. And he teaches her how to do this and she grows she becomes from girl to lady to mother over the course of the three books but over the course of the three books she never really grows in any extent she she um she's always very headstrong very determined very aggressive individual mm. and she doesn't she doesn't forgive she, she, you know she she rarely forgives as a result this causes her to do, you know, to do things that, in the end, you know, she regrets and you know destroys her life at different parts. The first, the first book, she makes a, a big mistake that causes a huge upset to her and change, leading into the second book. 
in the second book, she does something of a similar nature that ends up leading into the third book. And again, she makes this action that she doesn't consider the ramifications of what she's doing and the consequences. And as a result, at the very end, she's alone and she's broken and she's lost everything, much like the vision in the, in the vision. And again, it's just, it's such a painful thing to see this, this woman who has, has grown and has, you know, has got, come from nothing to everything, to having everything taken away and even the things that she loves the most and unable to get them back. And, you know, you see her, you know, you see her, you see her wanting those things back in a state of madness and so forth by the end. I feel I've just spoiled it for everyone now. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> but again, it's just, it's just such a, it's just so heartbreaking. And yeah, man. I mean, it's, it's kind of funny, isn't it? That we, we love stories like that. Yeah. Where, you know, somebody, well, particularly with the vision by the sounds of it, you know, he's, he's, he's built his, per, what his perfect life would be, but then slowly but surely it falls away. Um, and kind of we're, it's really interesting to explore that, I guess, like philosophically, yeah. I think perhaps that's why, <clears throat> why maybe we like those types of stories. I don't know what you yeah, reckon. I, I, I'd say so. I mean, we're all, we are, you know, we as people are designed to, to, to love and to want, you know, we, you know, I mean, we all want comics. I mean, <laughs> you know, I'd be heartbroken if any of mine were damaged, but <laughs> yeah. On a, on a more on a more I don't know existential extent I guess or a more metaphysical I don't know on a more philosophical extent you know we are we are people who are able to love and you know we have our our wives and our husbands and our girlfriends and our boyfriends and our children and our mothers and our fathers and our siblings and you know these are things that we could not live without and I guess I think that's what makes it it's because it's a real thing it's something that we're all going to feel at some point because life doesn't last forever does that make sense i don't know if if i maybe reading that does yeah you know no, no, not at all um no i think that does make sense but yeah that's, that's i think that's what appeals these kind of stories appeal i mean i had i had so many options for this because there were so many that appealed to me there, um i mean another one was alex and ada and then there was i can't think what else to be honest now off the top of my head mm. oh the um the death of Johnny Storm in the Fantastic Four. I mean, there was, you know, what the issue after, rather, that was completely silent. It was just, you know, but there were so many options. But, you know, gun to my head, I couldn't choose from these two. This was, these were quite possibly the saddest comics I've ever read to this day. Comes back to me in a couple of years. I'm sure we'll find something new. <laughs> totally. We'll come back to you in a couple of years then. Um, and uh, going back to, to your neighbour, uh, the next question that crops up in their head is what's the scariest comic that you've read? See, the scariest comic is a, dif- is a, is a difficult thing. And, I mean, I've read, I've read so many comics. It's, it's, it's great how many comics I've read. <laughs> it's also terrible mm-hmm. how many comics I've read. Um, signs of a lack of a life kind of thing, I guess. But oh, too much of one. Who knows? <laughs> but I, I, can't, I don't think comics can do scary I mean, when I'm not when I'm not reading comics, I'm watching films, you know. And a movie, a cinematic experience, they have the same they have the same core concepts. They're visual mediums, but 
because cinema is a moving visual. It's able to perform scares a lot better. But I took it, so I took this question a bit a bit differently. And I said, this isn't, this is the most terrifying, right? something that's not just scariest per se, but the most terrifying, the most haunting. And this was a book, an anthology from about two, three years ago called Transience, an unforgettable anthology. Uh, did you hear about that? Or did you read it? I hadn't. I hadn't read a, read about that. Um, I hadn't come across I, it. Sorry, but um, yeah, looking at it, it looks brilliant. It's it's it was a really great book. I mean, I I got I got the absolute honor and pleasure of reading this while I was uh, as a review, mm-hmm. and I, I remember I fought to a nail on when the top fifty came along, and I was you know I said, Alex, this goes in the top fifty or else. <laughs> who else what and I said I got nothing I got nothing to but <laughs> so no leverage uh, but <laughs> yeah but um but this was really a terrific book so basically it was um it was headed by um two gentlemen by names of Ricardo Moe and Leo Leo Johnson I think it was Leo Johnson and basically it's it's a it's an anthology so it's a selection of about I think nine or ten stories short stories you know x number of pages per story Who's who of international talent? I, I couldn't tell you. you know, there were so many, so many great creators on this book, and basically, it's it's around, it's built around a central premise. At some point, the you know, terrorists unleash a biological weapon, a chemical weapon, into the atmosphere. This this weapon doesn't cause any physical ailments or injuries or death. However, it destroys the parts of the brain that allow for long-term memory. So every day you live your life. But as of, the, as of the time you go to bed, when you wake up the next morning, your memory is wiped and you are back to, the first, to that previous day. And you are now, you know, and this will go on for the rest of your lives. You will go from that day to the day you die thinking it is that first day. And to me, that's that's absolutely terrifying. That's an absolutely terrifying concept. That you know, that one day I'm going to wake up and look in the mirror and see an old man, you know, with a long white beard, mm-hmm. no hair. When I'm when it's like, wait a second, I'm only thirty six. You know, mm-hmm. I was just talking. I was just talking to Sam George London last night, kind of thing. It's like, <laughs> it's. Yeah, it's a terrifying concept, and the stories that are you that are played in it are absolutely—they're just—they really, yeah. You know, They—they also break your heart. This could actually have been in the saddest comic at some point. Yeah. But I mean, there's um, there's a—I remember there's one story in particular that's really terrifying, and it's um, the story of a, of a single mum, and she's living her life, and basically she has to get up every day, and she has like a nine-year-old son. Problem is, this was you know seven years ago when the when the attack was done. She had a two-year-old son, so now she has this seven-year-old son with a two-year-old's mind. Right. And I, you know, you know, again, it's this kind of, you know, you have, you know, this is your child, you love your child unconditionally, but it's this thing of how heartbreaking, how scary, how terrifying will it be if you can't watch your child grow and learn? Yeah. How terrifying can it be that you wake up one day mm. and find that all your life, the best years of your life, you know, have gone in the blink of an eye you know all the experiences you you do you don't remember you know it's it's just such a haunting concept it's just so scary and 
yeah, it's not jump out, jump out, you know, ah, scare you, but it is this kind of, yeah. Just the just idea that. of it. Um, Absolutely. And I, and I think that's a really good point that, <clears throat> particularly in something like comics, it, it can be more the, the, the idea of, of the situation in the, in the comic is the scariest part. Like, I guess the philosophical questions that it's putting across are the scariest thing. And as you said there, like not being able to experience the best years of your life, not being able to see your child grow, um, into, into, um, into a, into an adult and, um, yeah, just all of the emotional pain that comes with that. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's not, yeah, it's not without it's not without hope in, within the pages. There are, I think, there's at least one story. There's a story right at the end, and it is it's so incredibly hopeful, and it has so much hope because it's a it's a basically it's a celeb- on that day there was a celebration. So every day the people get up and they go and celebrate with this big you know village town festival, and it kind of and it kind of it's it's a perfect it's a perfect swan song for the for the for the anthology because it does. After seeing all of this trauma and pain and you know suffering throughout the previous page, you know, pages and the previous stories, it just ends with this nice bit of hope, which mm. does make up for it. But nice. prior to that, it's just it's just such the scariest thing in the world for me. Brutal, brutal. Now um, we come on to my favourite question, and that is, uh, what is your favourite cover? This was another. This was another difficult one. I had. I had a, I, I had a couple of couple of options. I was going to go with um, Star Trek Through the Mirror, which is a bit of a cheat because it's not one cover; it's five. <laughs> the, the artist J.K. Woodward he created a cover that is portrait for each issue, one on top of the other. So in order to in order to have them lined up, you have to put them one under the next under the next. Very one. clever. It's a it's a fantastic looking cover. It really is. Um, yeah, and there were a few others. Um, Justice League, Justice League International, with the with the whole gang, you know, mm. looking up at the camera. And um, there was a there was a Justice League uh, Generation Lost that was really beautiful as well. But I went with see, I I was I was narrowed down, and I, I said to, I emailed you about it. And I narrowed it down to two to two Daredevil issues, <laughs> issue one hundred of volume two and issue five hundred. But in the end, issue five hundred let one out. Issue 500, so before anyone gets any confusion, so issue 500, as per Marvel's way of doing things, is a renumbering. After they reset the, the volume two, when they got to the full issue 500, they changed it back. So it went from like one, issue 125 to issue 500. <laughs> of course <laughs> they the did. Funny, yeah. Do you know the funniest thing is, though, is when they got to, five, when they got to 512, they cancelled Daredevil and they turned it into Black Panther five thirteen, and it was Black Panther right. five thirteen to Black Panther five twenty nine. It's, it's that's a bit all over the shop, to be honest. By the sounds of it, it's mind boggling. I I don't quite get it. And that was like that was like that? that was like five plus years ago, and I'm still struggling with that one. But anyway, <laughs> but yeah, issue five hundred is this fantastic wraparound cover. And I forget who drew it. So it's a selection of artists. And I yeah. want to say, so I've. Vid- I can't ever pronounce his name. I'm yeah, Jovidic. Jovidic. Yeah. Um, who, Jeff Darrow. 
Gabriel yeah, Delotto, Delotto, Alex Ross, Alex Ross. Patrick, and, uh, Patrick Zerka. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, this is this is a quintessential. Did did did. This is a quintessential Marco cover. To Mister to Mister the Jedvik, if you're actually really listening to this, I apologise for butchering your name so many times in one go. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's a. I mean, he did a whole load of them. I remember he did a whole <clears> load. Of them. I think it was around the around the heroic age, where basically he had one of the X Men, one of Spider Man, one of the Avengers, and you know they they kind of all could just fit together like one giant cover and it was just they were just it was just the most gorgeous thing but this one it's just like everything about daredevil is right there on this wrap out on this pull out cover mm. i mean you know the devil himself his his various well i say his various incarnations his yellow and red outfit all his all the ladies of his life his and his villains his allies i mean it's just and it's just so beautiful and it's there's there's very little in the way of color. If you you know, there's there's only like yeah. it's almost like two tone, and then mm-hmm. there's the devil. There's Daredevil himself in the red, in the yellow, kind of just the, the pop out of it. And to me, it's it's just the most beautiful thing. I think it's just it's, it's, yeah, it's still my favorite cover to this day. That's awesome, man. Um, it, it's great when you connect with a with a cover like that. Um, and particularly, obviously, when it kind of you can see how much it reflects the actual character as well. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, Daredevil, Daredevil is is a great character. I've, uh, yeah, like, yeah. Obviously, I got the first four issues, you know, the first four volumes of of his were the first I remember. And I tell everyone that Fantastic Four is my favorite, and it still is. And it is, and yeah, that's no lie. They're my favorite comic series because it's the greatest comic series in the world. Mm-hmm. As the tagline suggests, yeah. but I mean, <laughs> but you know, Daredevil is is such a special character, and he's you know he has such I don't know I I was going to say longevity. He has such longevity, such depth. I mean, the stories that have been done with him for the past ten, fifteen longer years. I mean, you know, when was he made? He was he was created in sixty three. I was sixty four. I think, yeah. That's right, yeah. Spider-Man was 63, wasn't he? Yeah. And, I mean, he's still here. He's still relevant to this day. I mean, you know, and that, you know, this makes up, and this cover tells you everything you need to know about him, I feel, mm. in a sense. That's awesome. Although, although I've just realised, looking over this cover, White, White Tiger never made the cover. That's really heartbreaking. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm I'm a big I'm a big I'm a big lover of um, Angelo de Toro's White 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 Tiger, and she's because she's the niece of the original White Tiger, and then mm. she just disappeared after Shadowland, and then a new White Tiger came up who I don't really know. It's, it's kind of heartbreaking. I always felt she was screwed over. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> but you know this is this is a great cover. Um, it would have perhaps been even better with White Tiger, but um, say La Vie. Um, and uh, no, yeah, it's. I mean, it's just fantastic art, isn't it? Um, and being able to have all those layers is is impressive. Mm, that's right. I mean, I can. To be honest, I can see how Marco, yeah, gets. A, to be honest, I can see how all of these all of these artists get the amount of work they get. Because mm-hmm. I mean, Alex Ross is no slouch. Alex Alex Ross is a is a, is a household name. He's a legend in his mm-hmm. own right. I mean, I've got. Um, 
I've got both Kingdom Come and Justice, which he which he did the art and Marvels, in fact, which he penned the art for. And all three of them are absolutely stunning. And you know, but yeah, sorry, I digressed again. But yeah, the you know, mm-hmm. all you can see how they just all make their money because this is just a beautiful piece of work. Superb. And for folks at home, that's devil issue number 500 so if you google that um you'll be able to check out why it is such a great cover uh, now um moving back to the garden um and your neighbor they ask you uh, what's the most meaningful comic to you the most meaningful was was almost a, t- a tough decision and then i realized actually no it's not that much mm-hmm. it ba- basically i was going to say i was going to say superman superman's wedding album and the reason that is, is because I got it for my wedding. A friend of mine bought it for me for my wedding day. Brilliant. But it wasn't that one. It was a different cover completely. It was a different cover, different comic completely. It is Captain Britain and MI13, issue one, cover D, the third printing variant. Right. I've just realized I got this signed by uh, Paul Cornell. Nice one. Oh, wow. <laughs> nice. As well, yeah. Um, and yeah. To anyone who doesn't know Paul, um, doesn't know about Captain Britain and, and MI13 by Paul Cornell and Leonard Kirk, is quite possibly one of the best series you will ever read. You know, if it's if you if you see it, you know you you fight you fight the owner of the comic shop to get it because it's, mm-hmm. it's a fantastic series. It, it's it's heartbreaking. It was only fifteen issues and a special and, and an annual long. It should have been twice, three times that long, but maybe it wouldn't have been that special. But anyway. I digress. The, the the significance of this comic, though, the you know the third print invariant, I I as is probably apparent, I love this series, and I have spent a long time, well, not that long actually, but you know, I spent a good while searching for every variant cover. I own every, I own every variant cover except for the issue twelve Scotty Young variant, which is like you know the cost of a small nation's army, I suspect. <laughs> young, but I, I was having major trouble finding the third print invariant. And basically, the third, third print invariant is exactly the same as the original original issue one, but it's in black and white. For my thirtieth birthday, my wife, who is a goddess and an angel, and is far too good for me, but don't tell her that. Uh, <laughs> Mum's the word. That's right. She um she get, got me thirty gifts for my thirtieth birthday. Nice, which is incredible. One of these gifts was Captain Britain and MI thirteen issue one third printing variant. I have no idea how how she, where she found it. Or I, I know that I probably complained at some point. I had, didn't have this variant. I don't know where she got it. I don't know how much she spent. <laughs> but to me, this is the comic that you know when the house burns down. I will I will be trying to find. So there's a good chance I'll be dead because it will probably be under three tons, of, uh, three three full box, uh, long boxes of comics. <laughs> but that's that's essentially the reason for this comic. That is why it's the most meaningful to me because it is one. To be honest, all the gifts my wife been buying me are the best gifts in the world. But this is this is something special for me. Totally, man. That's beautiful, and uh, it's it's great to have that merging of um kind of yeah the the woman you love and and your 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 passion as well for comics 
yeah. um, those coming get... together is fantastic. I just wish I could get her to read more of them. That's the problem. <laughs> that is the issue, isn't it? I've been Always able to get in, in ten in nearly ten years, no, nine years together, sorry, I've got her to read three issues of a force issue miniseries called <laughs> Snapshot by uh, Andy Diggle and Jock. Right. And the first volume of Robert Kirkman's The Walking Dead. Mm. I've never been able to get anything else. <laughs> really? Yeah. That's it's um it is a bit of a shame. But you know so what? Lovely. If it's, it's not your cup of tea, it's not your cup of tea. That's right, exactly. <laughs> good good on you for trying though. Um uh, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> and that, that's what you do you have to do, you have to you have to try. But uh, I, I guess just just keep going with it, and maybe one day the the right type of book will kind of land for her. Well, to be honest, I could just give up. I've got two little boys now. I could just move on to them, corrupt them early. Yeah, man, just get get them on the Phoenix, and then you know my nieces absolutely love the Phoenix. Yeah, um, yeah, totally. Um, and uh, uh, the, the Edrington brothers. Uh, they, they, they're uh, some of the artists, yeah, for that. Um, yeah, as well as like Jamie, Jamie Smart, and, and people like that. Um, but uh, no, yeah, um, kids seem to absolutely love the Phoenix, and well, no, rightly so because it's a it's a great magazine. They've done a fantastic job with it. Um, but uh, yeah, definitely, definitely get them on that as soon as possible, and I'm sure they'll um, share your love of comics. Here's hoping. I, well, I've got, I've got. The entirety of Superman smashes the clan, long gone Don, and uh, an issue of Superhero Adventures. To, to, <laughs> to yeah, waiting in the wings. Brilliant, fantastic. Now uh, moving back to our conversation uh, with your neighbour, uh, they ask you what's the most underrated comic. Oh well, this is this was an easy one for me. This has always been this has been a, a comic a, a comic series that I've loved ever since ever since I got it. To be honest. And it's um, it's called Harvest by um, A.J. Lieberman, who's the writer, and artist Colin Lorimer. Lorimer? Yeah, that's how I pronounced it. And Brandon DeStefano on, le- on letters. I'm doing really badly with my pronunciations today. <laughs> it can be quite to- tough sometimes. I so. have to put a lot of coins in the swear jar today. <laughs> uh, but um, first of all, we'll 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 get to the we'll get to the you know. To the to the obvious point on this is that this this isn't again much like through the mirror. This is a series that could have ended up on best cover, um, of, you know, choice because right. like that they actually join up and it has this hauntingly beautiful, you know, one page, you know, one image from Harvest. But but the point of Harvest, uh, have you read Harvest? I haven't, no. To be honest, who has? It wouldn't be the most underrated comic on my list. <laughs> Bingo. But it's, um, it's, a, it's a fantastic comic from uh, the Shadowline imprint of Image. And basically yeah. it tells the story of a, um, of a doctor. And he's, he's very much, I want to say, like the, the American psycho depiction of a, of a doctor kind of thing. He's, you know, he's hard, hard partying, heavy drug taking, heavy drinking, you know, he's 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 a guy who gets paid all his money and then totally goes off the rails with that money. And due to a due to a due to negligence on his part, he causes the death of a family, two including two children. 
and he loses his his medical license, and he's forced. Yeah, he's forced to lose. He loses everything, and he's given the chance to get it all back. In a sense, he's offered the, he's offered lots of money to be a black market surgeon to right. take take organs to harvest organs from people so they can be used on the rich who are willing to pay for them and not willing to wait on the um, organ transplant list. However, he discovers that the people that are donating their organs aren't exactly doing it willingly. And it becomes this very much a, a very dark kind of thriller, almost, where he tries to uh, destroy the organisation that are that have hired him and it's it's just such a it's such a such an engrossing series it really is it's just absolutely gorgeous i mean the it's 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 helped by the fact that throughout the entire series or upon the after their death he um he's haunted by the ghosts of the of the children they they continually come to him and they're just haunting him his entire trip through this entire story and it's it's just a fantastic it just it's a really gorgeous story as well it's a really gorgeous looking series of art it's i'm trying to think what it looks like it it's got a very it's got a very muted kind of color palette it's very, it's very mm. so it looks it looks sterile so that's a good choice of words which makes sense mm-hmm. given how you know it's a doctor and he's a surgeon and it's all meant to be sterile there's a really i think the best the best shot of it is probably, yeah, it's the first page. It's the very first page where essentially we are, it's one of these flashback kind of things. So you're in the present day and then you go back and see how it all happened. And he's, mm. the first thing he does is he goes into a 7-Eleven, he buys some ice. I mean, when you say buy some ice, he buys all the ice. Yeah. And he goes back to a little, <laughs> little you know, desperate, you know, desperate rundown warehouse. And of course, you know, he is busy doing his thing, taking organs out of somebody. And then you find out later why he's taken organs out of this specific somebody. But it's it's just such a such a great thriller, I think. And it's I never hear anyone talk about it. And I'll be honest, I'm gonna I'm you know, a twenty twenty one goal is to reread this and analyze it like I do everything else. Brilliant. Yeah, and talk about its its good points because I think it's a fantastic series. And I think more people should read it, and I think, you know, and that's all I think. And it's not what I think; it's what I know. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's fantastic, man. And that's a, that's a great premise, and um, it's a, it's a good pitch by you to to put it on my reading list. So, um, no, yeah, I'd definitely be interested in uh, in picking that one up for sure. You, you should. It really is a great read. But if you don't like it, I don't offer refunds. Sorry. <laughs> well, you better. <laughs> not at all, mate. Not at all. No, that's great, man. Um, I'm, uh, I'm definitely going to check that on my uh, reading list for sure. Uh, now, uh, we come on to the most difficult question, and that is, for you, what is the best comic of all time? The best comic of all time was, well, that's the hardest decision in the world, really. It's... I, I narrowed it down to two books in the end, but it, just inching out Marvels, which is a fantastic book in its own right, was DC, The New Frontier by Darwin Cook, which is, 
I got this. When did I get this? I got this. I got this copy. I can't remember what the year copy this is, to be honest. Uh, I think this is the most recent copy. I got this la- my last birthday, so my thirty sixth birthday. Um, it is. I I I burned through this in no time. It is a gorgeous book, and I think it is without a doubt the best book I've ever read. Until this point, again, come back to me in two years later. You may have read better. <laughs> but this is, you know, I mean, Darwin Cook is a legend. He is, you know, he is up there. He is, you know, him, Jack Kirby, Ditko. I mean, you know, I think, I think of the greatest artists in, you know, all of comics, he is on that list. You know, I, I, and it's just a fantastic story. And it's basically, it's essentially the, the beginnings of the DC universe as mm-hmm. told by Darwin Cook. And it starts with this fantastic little story about the um, the losers. You know, Sergeant uh, Sergeant Rock, wasn't it? Sergeant? No, it's just Sergeant. Sergeant Rock's a different guy. Sorry, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, yeah, the you know the original losers, the ones before Andy Diggle made that. You know, really, really great film, very underrated film. I thought the Losers was anyway. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. <laughs> but you know, it's this great series, and it you know charts it charts all the way through. You know, the end of the Second World War into into um, Vietnam, and you see, you know, Superman being this kind of company man. He's you know he's kind of a, an unwilling government stooge, so to speak. He's 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 trying to do the right thing. He's trying to be you know strive for you know truth, justice in the American way. But of course, the American way at that time was very anti-communist and very warmongering and you see batman who is very much batman-esque you see mm. you know the 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 origins of of um, the martian manhunter the origins of the green lantern you see so many of the you know the, the great classic dc characters and um i think the story that i love about this most is is the introduction of of um, the green of the Martian Manhunter. Sorry, I mean, have mm-hmm. you have you have you seen have you seen the film? They 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 made, they, added, they adapted it to a, a, a um, animated film. Oh, did they? No, yeah. I, I haven't seen that one. No, it's it's an okay it's an okay um, film. It's an okay book. Um, I think like any film based on a book, it doesn't do the book justice. Right. You know, I I think I think it's a good I think it's a good film. I think it's an okay film. I think. The, the the book is far greater, and I think it's so much more worth your time than the film would be. If you had a choice, if you're going to the head and you had to choose one, that's what I go for. Yeah. But it's just got this great, it's just got this great art. The visuals are fantastic, and it always, and I'm always reminded of it every time I see um, Robert Ahmed post something on Twitter. Uh, mm. You know, you know Robert Ahmed. He's um, he does yeah. he drew Devil in Disguise and Cutman. Yeah, yeah he's his art. I tell, I tell him every time he's he's like he's like the the uh, the spirit of Darwin Cook, and he always laughs me off. But I'm certain he's he's so close to it. It's, it's shocking. <laughs> I, awesome. Yeah, and he's doing something else actually. He's doing another book. I can't think. Of it. <clears throat> he is right at the moment. Yeah, I can't think of it. Is he, he he's he's, he's hinting at something and he won't tell me. This is mm. this is what I do with my time. <laughs> but <laughs> sorry, I don't guess again. Uh, but there's this great. I mean, 
the, the art is fantastic, obviously, and but it's, it's proven greatest at in this one giant panel. And I'm trying to find it now, just so I can see it, just so I can talk, talk, talk to you about it while I look at it. But basically, it is all the heroes have come together to defeat the big bad, you know, this big evil that will destroy the world. And the the, the shot is just a two page two page spread. What is it? Be easier if they just numbered the pages. That would be, wouldn't it? It would be. I probably missed it twice or three times. Ah, hang on, I may have, I may have got it here. Ah, no, I haven't. Anyway, the point is, you have this. It's kind of this like it's like the Armageddon moment where all the you know Bruce Willis, Ben Affleck, and his entire gang of I just feel that's how fitting that is. Armageddon apocalypse. Hey. Uh, mm. Yeah, where they're all going towards their spaceships and the slow mo shot that you know, is a very um, Michael Bay kind of staple. And it's just like that. It's just all the heroes. Here it is. Yeah. It's just you've got you've got Green Arrow, you've got the Flash, you've got the Blackhawks, you've got um, the um, Champions of the Universe, Adam Strange, the Martian Manhunter. I think I've already said that. But, you know, you've got all these great characters, and not only them, you've got all of these regular people, these soldiers, and you know these uh, these airmen from the time from the time period just ready to go into battle against this big evil. It's like this real, you know, uniting of the world. And it feels like it's like the most hopeful scene in the most hopeful book. It really is, I think, what the DC, the DC universe is in a nutshell. It is the best representation of the DC universe I think I've ever seen. That's awesome, man. There's nothing else I can say that can top that. No, not at all. That's uh, that's pretty much uh, a, a mic drop, is what, as they say, I guess. <laughs> I need one. I need one of those. I should have had a. Mic. I should have bought a mic. You should have brought just a mic drop. just to but drop it, <laughs> or maybe a book drop. It should be in this I, case. We can arrange that. We can arrange that. One second. <laughs> there we go. Bingo! Fantastic. Uh, now, um, if you could only take one comic into the apocalypse, though, which would it be? I, again, so many to choose from. And I was going to go with, um, I was going to go with a couple of different ones. I was going to go with Black Panther, Man Without Fear, because it's a whole series about Black Panther, you know, surviving, you know, surviving against odds he's, he doesn't understand. I thought that was very apt for, a, uh, for an apocalypse, you know. Mm-hmm. But I thought I'd go for something a little bit longer and a little bit more lighthearted and something that actually is really, well, not to say that Black Panther Man of Appeal isn't really good because it is really good, but something that would really, it just would go for anyone. Anyone could get into it, I think. And for me, that would be Lock and Key by Joe Hill and uh, Gabriel Rodriguez, I think it is. Yes, correct. Gabriel yes. Rodriguez, yeah. Joe, you know I, I always worry because I know I've already used Gabriel in Gabriel Walters. <laughs> the second I said it. But, um, I mean, I've read the entire I've, I've read the entire series because I I started picking that up through Comicsology uh, a couple of years ago. Cool. Bit by bit, picked up each volume, and it's just it's just such a beautiful series, and it's just such a. I, to be honest, it actually probably I think I chose this I chose this book at one time or another for every question that you 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 you've given me the zine. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like you know it has humor, it has tragedy, it has sadness, it has. You know, scares of a sort. It has, you know, it is one of the best. It's 
it's got great covers it's memorable it's it's just such a great all-round book and it's not a superhero book and it it feels like a very much a coming of age book i mean Mm. yeah the premise of it is that you know after a devastating um devastating murder of their father um the Locke family, three, the three children of the Locke family and their mother moved back to his hometown, um, which I can't remember what it's called. Lovecraft, Lovecraft, Massachusetts. That's it. Mm. And uh, <clears throat> I was thinking myself, it was named after something famous. But yeah, and they move <laughs> in the, to the uh, to Key House, the ancestral home of the Locke family, which is you know, under the careship of their uncle Duncan. And now... If you want, if you want a um, a better, yeah, analysis of Lock and Key Volume One, you should you need to go and look for the um, book of the month by um, Comic Geek Speak. That's fantastic. That is such a great, you know, that will that will that will totally hook you on the on the concept, and that will go and make you read it. But cool. it's um, but basically, it's just, it is it's a coming age story. They go and. They find these magical keys which open doors and do certain different things. You know, they you know it makes them change gender. It makes them leave their corporeal form. It makes makes them uh, grow to the size of a giant, gain wings to fly. I mean, so many you know, so many different keys for so many different different occasions. And it and it, they really it's the the entire crux of the story from. Volume one to volume six, issue one to issue early six, I think, is you know they're trying to keep these keys out of the hand of this evil being who is trying to unleash an unspeakable evil upon the world. And but it's also this yeah, it's this thing of growing up, and because no adults recognize or understand the concept of the keys, only when you're a child do you know what's going on. When you turn mm. eighteen, that's it. You know, you no longer remember anything that happens. It all becomes very hazy, unless you're drunk. Apparently, when you're drunk, you remember it all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which As makes always. the most <laughs> Yeah. But you see a very, you know, you see three very different characters uh, within the Locke children. And the eldest, whose name also escapes me. I remember the, I remember the other two kids. They're, um, they're Boyd and Kinsey. But I don't remember the eldest's name. I want to say it was Rendell, but I think that maybe the father. Mm-hmm. Can I find it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everyone keeps calling him dude. It really annoys me. Anyway, <laughs> but the eldest is dealing with extreme guilt. He's dealing yeah. with extreme guilt thinking that he is responsible for the death of his father. His daughter has suffered a loss of identity from, you know, being the girl... Who had, whose father was murdered, whose family was attacked, um, and they and the entire series sees them grow into better people than they were. If that makes sense, they are able to overcome their problems and become, yeah, greater and more responsible, more grown up for want of a better description. It's, it really is this kind of story about finding yourself and realizing who you are and what you are and it's it was just a brilliant series it's a great series it's 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 beautifully drawn rodriguez's art is phenomenal it's fantastically written by joe hill who to be honest is a fantastic writer he's a mm-hmm. terrific writer 
I mean, I've read some of the, um, I've read a few previews of the bucket full of heads, the the Joe Hill books imprint he's got at DC, and I mean, okay. some are really great as well. Uh, I need to take a look, better look at those, but you know, it's just such a great series. And it, it, it starts and it finishes, and it's just one nice big story. And I think that I would take into the apocalypse because I would, I'd probably, you know, get a big collected edition if they had, if such a thing existed. But I would actually, it does. You can get a box set with all six volumes. So I probably, if I had that, I'd take that with me. <laughs> and, you know, and then I could just go through it again and again because I think it would give me hope. It would give me hope in this awful situation. And it would show me that, you know, this can be done. Anything is possible. And there is always a way out. Awesome, man. That's great. Um, and uh, along with your uh, ultimate edition of Lock and Key, what weapon, tool or useful item would you like as well? See, I had a lot of, I had a lot of thoughts on this, but I didn't know how, how, um, how extreme I could be. I, wanted, I did consider <laughs> the Infinity Gauntlet. I considered the Alliance from, from Gears of War. I thought that would be pretty good against zombies. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, I, I even thought to myself, I wonder if Stormbreaker from the MCU would be allowable. But, but um, I, I'll be honest, I thought to myself that the best thing I would take, the best tool, weapon, item I would take would be an axe. And the reason for that being is that I think an axe is a nice freeway tool of, mm-hmm. of a sort. Yeah? You can use, you know, it's got a blunt, it's got a blunt side, which you could use to hammer if you haven't got a hammer. Yeah. You know? You've got, and then the sharp side, you can cut in, break into a door, you know, if you need it to. Or cut open a, a zombie's head and then you know as the rules state once you hit the brain no more zombies. <clears throat> safe as houses although <clears> and, uh... being is the momentum of the axe going into their skull will probably lodge it so then all the others will probably eat me but let's not think about these 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 problems <laughs> no exactly plus you look really cool with an axe yeah i would do i initially consider a samurai sword because I've done yeah. I've done a number of martial arts in my time, so I've got a bit of training with one. But it occurred to me, as cool as that would work, where'd you get a samurai sword in England? Yeah. Hmm. So the next best. Not many to... places. So yeah, yeah ax, very accessible. That's yeah. right. Hundred percent. Fantastic. Well, James Blunder, it's been an absolute pleasure finding out your comics for the apocalypse. Pleasure has been all mine. It's been a laugh fantastic and for the listeners one more time where can they find you online they can find me at pipe dream comics which is www.pipedreamcomics.co.uk you can find me at a comic book addict which is my blog it's a comic book addict.blogspot.co.uk or you can find me on twitter where i usually ramble some old rubbish that's at james underscore blundell which is b-l-u-n-d-e-l-l like the racing driver just not popular <laughs> fantastic and uh well i just hope 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 that our paths will cross once again at a comic con very soon i have I, I have faith that they will one day they will let us all out one day over the rainbow yeah indeed it can't, it can't last forever no no, no certainly not. <laughs> yeah let's not think about that but <laughs> <laughs> yeah no um i i very much looking look forward to uh you you uh coming around to to my table and uh saying hello that'll be uh that'll be a great day 
It will, it will, that will be one of my many first ports of call. Whether or not I have children this time will be a different question. <laughs> Fantastic, James. Well, as I said, it's been an absolute pleasure, mate, and uh, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll be sure to see you on Twitter. Absolutely. I'll see you there too. Thanks, man. Take care. You too. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thanks again to James for being on Comics for the Apocalypse. It was an absolute pleasure. If you enjoyed the show today, please leave a review, a review for us on iTunes or whichever podcast service you use, as not only will it let me know that you liked it, but believe that it helps make other people aware of the show as well. If you'd like to check out James's work, I'll follow him on social media. Those links are in the show notes, along with all our own links to the various areas of the internet. Speaking of which, if you haven't already, be sure to visit Comic Scene's website at comicscene.org for comic news, the comic club, and other fun sequential art stuff. And finally, as long as the apocalypse doesn't come to pass in the next week, I'll see you next Monday. Bye for now.